0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Supernatural Selection. I'm your host, Kevin the Bastard. I am joined once again this week by Mike the Skeptic. Mike, how you doing?
1: Um, I am here. (laughs) I'm not sure. Okay. Am I really here? Is anybody really here?
0: I was about to ask that. Yes, you're actually really here because if you were a... A simulation, then, by God, it would make more sense, wouldn't it? Your life, I mean.
1: I, I'd like to think if I was a simulation, things would be better thought out. There you go. And of course,
0: Mr. David Davis. David, how you doing today?
2: I'm doing well enough, but I wish you would refer to me as David the mildly disbelieving.
0: <laughs> <laughs> David the middle ground between the two of us.
2: <laughs>
1: uh. So, uh. He's neutral neutral territory.
0: He is. He's like Switzerland. Yeah. So, uh, this week it's uh, on to more Nostradamus. I hope everybody enjoyed last week. We learned so much about the man, the myth, the legend.
1: Nostradamus.
0: Nostradamus.
1: Nostradamus.
0: There we go. I like that.
2: Well, are are you two gentlemen looking forward to getting into episode two here?
1: Sure. Let's tuck in and...
0: I am. It feels like we finished homework last week and now we're going to actually start the school project that everybody's been looking forward to.
2: Mhm. Yeah, cuz a lot of last week it was just like biography, but I think mm-hmm. we established, you know, some important things, some important context for what was going on. We did. Um I do have a correction speaking of homework. I I ended up doing some more homework because my wife nagged me about it. Um <laughs> So last episode, I had mistakenly referred to Henry VIII as Henry VII. Okay, but in my mm. defense, there were at least a couple of Henrys floating around in the outline, So, oh yeah, you know, uh, you know. Henrys I, I confused mixed the numbers tangled. around.
0: Well, we know that in history there were at least eight of them, so I mean it's easy to mix up.
1: All mm. nine, if you count the O Henry bar, and they Ooh. and they, and they uh, continue to. Insists that we used Roman numerals, which are just so unintuitive.
0: Yeah, I'm yeah. Henry
1: the V. Just how many I's you put after that V? Yeah, unless you got unless unless you got an X with a preceding I, then you're just all fucked. Do you think Henry VIII...
2: Or then VIII, you get to, like, the M and the C. Oh, God. A, no, e, no, v, I, I, I. no.
1: fucking idea. <laughs> like, I don't even know what Super Bowl we're on just because they have... They start throwing random letters into the mix. <laughs> There's
2: they're, not, they're making a big assumption about their audience that the audience would understand what those Roman numerals mean. <laughs>
0: yeah, man. Oh, no shit. Yeah, and we're, like, educated, and I have no freaking idea. I mean, like, it could be a Q in there, and I'd just be like, okay, yeah, it's a Roman numeral, right? And speaking of, do you think Henry VIII ever, like miscounted i'm henry the ninth eighth henry sorry eighth
2: well considering how inbred the royal bloodlines were back then probably more often than you'd think
0: oh man i almost wish we could do an episode about royal inbreeding we
2: totally could yeah. We totally could we just have to make an excuse or find some <laughs> sort of occult connection to talk about royal inbreeding
0: oh i'm gonna look into that then so uh I feel like before we tackle the topic let's let's uh let's talk about the elephant in the room. Uh right now while we're recording uh was it today or yesterday that uh Russia invaded the Ukraine?
2: It was yeah, I think technically well for us it would have been today like in the early hours of the morning I believe.
1: Yeah. Okay. That was yeah. It was pretty. I was I was up real late last night, like always. So I saw, some start of it. But yeah, yeah. Yeah,
0: So we just wanted to get out there that uh, we do in fact support the people of Ukraine. Um, Mm. We are, we're you know not to get like completely political. We're you know all about the ha ha's here. But um, you know this is this is this some fucked up shit, and uh, we definitely support. The people of the Ukraine. If you are in the Ukraine and listening, we know that Poland has its borders open right now. So, uh, if you're looking to get out, I highly recommend go to Poland.
2: You know, and the other thing is, I someone I saw someone put this on Twitter, like mm-hmm. very well that like I'm tired of living in unprecedented times.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, <clears throat> no, we're we're surely living that uh, Chinese. Curse. curse. We are we are
0: living in interesting times.
2: You know, and yeah, I'm, I'm totally glad that we were able to kind of, like, talk about this a little bit, because, you know, it, it's... Like, this is a huge deal. Like, it, every year we have some sort of huge deal coming through, but, like, it's important to acknowledge these things as they happen, and, you yeah. know, hope for the best.
0: Pretty much. And, uh, well, it, it's... I don't know, man. It's just really messed up in general, so... Yeah. Uh, but that being said, I wonder again, if Mr.
2: Thomas predicted it.
0: Oh God, you know, he could have, I mean, yeah, you, it's
2: entirely possible.
0: After this episode, you will believe a man can predict anything.
2: <laughs> uh, so, so uh, David, let's go ahead and dive into this.
0: Yeah. Take it away, buddy.
2: Okay, so last week it was mostly biography, you know, place setting. Today we're gonna spend a lot more time on the prophecies and the results thereof to even to this modern day.
0: Um And I'm excited so, about that because uh
2: man. It gets a little spicy at the end, at least for me. It, at it least for really me I get does. a little spicy.
0: <laughs> Which is um, cool. Let's 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 dive into the sauce packets.
2: Yep. So, uh, my sources for this episode are two editions of Prophecies. First is Nostradamus and his Prophecies, compiled by Edgar Leone. First published in 1961, and it's over 800 pages long. Um, features the Prophecies, Correspondences, and Other Writings. The second is the Complete Prophecies of Nostradamus, part of the Sacred Text Series, published in 2011. This seems to be like one of those like open-source texts that people can just publish... Oh um, really? You no. Know. Yeah, I mean, because uh, I mean, uh, his writings in the public domain at this point. Oh well,
0: obviously. Yeah. I mean, I can't but, but imagine. you, you know how that is. you know
2: how that is. Like someone uh, is able to reprint Dickens's work is like so. Barnes and Noble they just have like their own brand of repub- uh,
1: republished oh. public domain stuff.
0: Absolutely, I love those. Oh, those, uh, yeah, those
1: fancy looking the leather books. bound. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, leather bound. Those are so
0: cool though. Dude. I've got like uh, Sherlock Holmes. And uh, the complete H.P. Lovecraft.
1: That'd be cool to have a a copy of Nostradamus like that.
2: Yeah, it's it's cool stuff. Like, this is just a paperback. This is something that somebody Mm -hmm. obviously did, like, massive bulk order print-on-demand sort of thing and Mm -hmm. resold it. But, you know, it works. It has the prophecies. It's certainly lighter than the other one.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It does what Um, it says on the tin.
2: Now, as for the biographical and historical context... Uh, again, I'm turning to Ian Wilson's Nostradamus: The Man Behind the Prophecies, but more importantly, this week I'm looking at Stefan Gerson's Nostradamus: How an Obscure Renaissance Astrologer Became the Modern Prophet of Doom.
0: Well, that sounds cheerful.
2: Yes, it is far from chill, uh, cheerful.
0: <laughs> Pretty depressing. <laughs> I, I <actually>. figured it <laughs> sounds um, it sounds like a terrible way to spend a Sunday.
2: Or, you know, give or take uh, three or four Sundays, so there you go. Okay, it's fair. <laughs> so, um, I didn't spend a whole lot of time talking about, like, how the quatrains worked, how Nostradamus came to write these things, and the more mythical side to all of this. We talked about the results of the quatrains, at least contemporarily, mm-hmm. but let's, let's go ahead and talk a little bit about how these things were put together. Let's. So... Last episode, we discussed that a great deal of Nostradamus' predictions had come from him basically kind of feeling out the vibes of Europe at the time. Um, Mm -hmm. So, obviously, if shit's going to go down in England, it's going to affect the rest of Europe, no matter what.
0: Well, yeah.
2: Yeah, we're we're seeing that today. So, (laughs) that's interesting. (laughs) Yes. So, one thing we didn't mention, however, was that Nostradamus' predictions were often him repurposing prior historical events... Because, as we know, history has a tendency to repeat itself. Of course.
0: Yeah, no idea what you're talking
3: about.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's not like, it's kind of weird that Germany and Italy are kind of hesitant to put sanctions on Russia right now. That's a little unusual. Mm-hmm. Mm, that I don't, doesn't seem familiar. No, not at all. No. Yeah, don't this know
0: doesn't what remind me about. of the
2: Blitzkrieg. or Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I'm
0: sure there are Germans right now just going, well, thank God it isn't us this time.
2: Right, right. We're just scrappy and misunderstood. (laughs) We're not the bad guys this time. (laughs) Um, So, um, you know, take into account what his secretary Chauvinier wrote on Nostradamus. He wrote that, quote, he saw in advance the remarkable shifts and changes that were about to happen in Europe. So, note that when Chauvigny wrote this around 1555, that was with the ascension of the super-Catholic Mary Tudor to the English throne.
0: Yeah, again, this is all just your typical uh, toll reading.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's very much uh, crossing over, all over again. Right. So, Chauvigny claimed that Nostradamus kept his predictions to himself for a long time and that, quote, he anticipated quite correctly as events turned out that the very novelty of the subject matter would not fail to arouse numerous misreportings falsehoods and venomous criticisms but eventually with the urge to be a public prophet uh, uppermost he brought everything out into the open that's fair so you know like okay i i get that too a little bit however wilson um in his book has this great quote Quote, modern-day skeptics may well find it difficult to avoid a wry smile upon reading Chauvinier's naive-sounding assurances that Nostradamus's motives were, above all, quote, to be of public profit. <laughs> but he told me it wasn't for money. Right. You know, there's a lot of myth-making that, like, Nostradamus and his his assistant and his son would eventually kind of take on. Right. So, again, this sounds very much apocryphal to me. Sure. I, I think if he was hesitant to publish anything, it was more like because he was afraid of getting burned at the stake.
0: Yeah, no, there's there, it, we're still in that whole period. Like, he's no mm-hmm. stranger to being chased with a torch, essentially, yeah, he, right?
2: He, he got basically Inquisition
1: twice <laughs> uh, as yeah, far as I it, know. That's, so. that's something you don't want to happen more than once or even <laughs> yeah. once. Yeah, I think one inquisition's <laughs> a little too much. So, yeah, he's, he's trying to avoid that third inquisitioning because, you know, that one's not going to go well. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure once you hit the third time, they're like, we don't give a fuck what you did. Fucking burn him. I it's, I it's imagine by a three the second time, you're
2: time you out expect this <laughs> inquisition.
0: I'm sorry, a three inquisitions, you're out rule. That's that's awesome.
2: Oh my gosh. So, um, you know, given Nostradamus's solid education and what seems to be a talent for social engineering exhibited in his life, I think it's pretty clear that Nostradamus could make educated guesses about what was going to happen. His talent, however, kind of laid in how he conveyed those guesses. Oh yeah, definitely. So this prophecy for profit angle, with both meanings fairly obvious here, is part of the social. <laughs> is part of that social engineering that Nostradamus exemplified. That'd, so
0: mm-hmm. that would be a great book, by the way. Prophecy for fun and profit.
2: There you go. So from uh, Latham's Quarterly, I have this quote: "The true significance of Nostradamus lies less in the future than in the present." After all, as detractors have pointed out, the prophecies have never been used to predict the future. They are always cited after the fact as evidence of Nostradamus' infallible accuracy. The legend of Nostradamus persists not because we want to understand what's ahead, but because we want to believe desperately that some divinable order lies behind all of the chaos. So, nobody can really, like, look into Nostradamus and, like, successfully gauge the future. The only time we see the prophecies come up as being accurate is after something happens. Of course.
0: Yeah, and I think I brought this up last time. I mean, that's the only way prophecies ever work.
2: So, you know, they never really predict anything because they're written so vaguely, mm-hmm. and the only time you hear about them is after we reinterpret the existing writing to match a situation we have. Right. So, as for how the prophecies were written, um, there's some archival writing from his uh, son Cesar, which reveals the process. So, we're going to get a little uh, spooky-dooky here. So. <laughs> okay. Let's, let's little, do it. A little woo-woo. Let's
0: get the woo-woo so, going.
2: So, Nostradamus would claim to time travel through visions in the early hours of the morning. So, one quatrain, Century 1, Quatrain 1, lays out his process. Quote, Being seated by night, studying in secret, in lone repose on the brazen tripod, a faint flame springs from the solitude, causing to flourish that which is not to be believed in vain. So, uh, <laughs> so, so our for for our fans of the Greeks, does any of this sound familiar?
0: Mm, yes.
2: No. Okay. W- what what do you think, Kevin?
0: Uh, it honestly, uh, it it just sounds like the oracles.
2: That is exactly it. So essentially, his future sight was like that of the Delphic oracles of ancient Greece, or at least evokes it.
0: Look. I'm not gonna lie. I'm now picturing like seventy-year-old Nostradamus, sexy dancing like that scene in Three Hundred. And I'm which try- would be
2: impressive. And I'm trying but,
0: not to throw up.
2: Well, and that would be impressive because he died at like sixty-five. Oh wow! So <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Someone dug him up and dressed him up, putting in heels Ugh. and lipstick and. <laughs>
0: Oh, man, that's great. That's gross. They've got, like, the most macabre fucking marionette show ever. Uh, At least it's a marionette,
2: not a puppet.
0: Andy's... Oh. Andy's spouting prophecy the entire time.
2: (laughs) I predict you're going to tip me big.
0: (laughs) If you don't tip me big, the pants come off.
2: Ooh, no. (laughs) (laughs) So so there's another quatrain that kind of goes further into this. So, this is a bit more on how he would come up with these prophecies. Quote, The wand is put in hand in the midst of uh, Bronchus. In the water, he moistens hem and foot. Fear and a voice cause trembling in his arms. Divine splendor. The divine being assumes proximity. So, there's uh, essentially what he had was a scrying...
0: Yeah, like a bowl of water he used... A bowl of water. I remember seeing stuff about this. He would stare into a bowl of water uh-huh. until, uh, I guess, his eyes bled. Or or the absinthe kicked in. Uh, also, a very good point. Could have been Poss- absinthe involved in this.
2: Possibly magic mushrooms. We talked about this last time. Yeah. Could have been mushrooms.
0: Now, are we talking about the kind you find under a cow pad or are we talking about the kind that you used to, like, Put in your living room and open up, and it would make everything smell good.
2: Well, given the time period, it was probably both, because okay, <laughs> um, you know, because people slept with their cows indoors.
0: Gee, that's very true.
2: Yeah. So, um, so yeah, basically, like scrying, he would have like his own scrying pool. He would mm-hmm. he would work like the Delphic Oracle would. Right. So. This uh, second quatrain I mentioned evokes some of the text involved in this process as well. We're not going to go into t- uh, into too much detail about it, but there are references to the translation of the Corpus Hermetica and of the mis- of the Mysteries of the Egyptians, which were both done by Marsilio Ficino. So, I don't expect anyone to know who these are, but these are Italian translations of like the Hermetica, which is a pretty important... Book in Magical Thinking, I believe. hmm And then, of the mysteries of the Egyptians, because Europeans were obsessed with the Egyptians. Did they...
0: Egypt... Yeah, no. Uh, Egypt mania was definitely a thing. And it was all the way, like, until the 30s. I mean, mm-hmm. especially once they discovered King Tut's tomb. I mean, holy crap.
2: hmm hmm uh-huh. So, as for how far in the future Nostradamus claimed to have seen the final year he mentions and he rarely does very specific figures yeah. but he mentions the year 3797 mm. um clearly I... that buffer has a purpose mm-hmm. uh, he he alludes to this in a letter to his then infant son Cesar. so Cesar isn't even uh, you know old enough to walk yet and he's he's already writing to his son like for the future like you're going to take over basically mm-hmm. so What Nostradamus writes is, of that which I have perceived, in order to avoid any actual human eventuality scandalizing the fragility of what has been sensed by Oracle, I have expressed everything nebulously, rather than as clear prophecy.
0: Mike, do you want me to translate that into modern? Because I think I got a really good grip on this. Okay. I was covering my ass, kid.
2: You know, and and that is exactly right. So... Again, a very wide period of time his prophecies potentially cover, right?
3: Oh, yeah, yeah.
2: Um, and again, the claims are written very ambiguously. It's all very clever, honestly. hmm Now, compounding things further is that the verses and prophecies are not in chronological order either. <laughs> Which,
0: that just, I love the fact that it's like, I'm looking into the future, what year? No idea.
2: Right. So, so there's no pattern to the predictions, making it difficult to read it in like a predictor'y sense. Right. You can't just read through it and get like a guide into the future or anything like that because it just it's not written that way.
0: Which makes sense in the grand scheme of like the way scrying works. If you're not looking for anything specific, you're just seeing the future. You have no idea when you're seeing what you're seeing. You're just getting it. Um willy nilly as it were and that here's the thing out of everything with this and the whole you know yeah it's all bullshit but like that's the most believable part to me
2: just to him like tripping out looking at a bull and just writing down what comes to him
0: yeah and no idea and like there's no guide there's no like I'm getting all this in order you know it's just like holy fucking helicopters and shit
2: It'd be, like, the modern-day equivalent of, like, a a trip journal. Like, if you take mushrooms every week and, like, you write down what you see.
0: Yeah, okay. Imagine you're watching TNT or USA or something, and you just, every night, you turn the TV on at a different time, and you write down, like, five minutes of whatever show is on.
2: Yeah. So... You know, this is all part of protection, uh, like the protection of himself. But he takes even further steps. Mm -hmm. What what he's doing with prophecies was a lot like juggling a chainsaw. So, (laughs) beyond walking the fine line of like that interpretive ambiguity, he also had to give it up to the man in the sky for his gifts. So he wouldn't be burned as uh, burned at the stake as a heretic. Of course, you know because yeah. As we had mentioned last week, he was a wandering pharmacist of Jewish heritage who was also an atheist doctor who had been hounded by the inquisitorial action almost twice. Jesus. You know, maybe he should just raised cattle. I guarantee he would have had great cattle. <laughs> Probably so. But so... One of the other steps that he took to protect himself was to reduce any and all direct references he could by obscuring them by at least a little bit. Um, One example is his usage of anagrams. So, like, he would use "Rapis" for Paris. Clever. Mm -hmm. And then he would also refer to territories by older and less modern names. Well, modern in the sense of his time period. Right. Um the, the latter point would become important in the 20th century, and when we talk a little a uh, little bit about a uh, a guy named Hitler. <laughs> so,
3: uh,
0: Mike, what's it what's it rule, Mike, where everything ends up eventually uh, coming back it, to Hitler? Isn't that Poe's Law? Poe's
2: Law. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yeah, we're going to be talking about Nazis a little bit in this episode. That's going to be fun.
0: All right, everybody, take a drink. So, if you're listening at home, take a drink. We're going into Nazis.
2: <laughs> So one, one thing I want to I, I heard something jingle. It's Mike actually taking a drink. Yep. Yeah. Too late.
1: Too late. He, he did.
2: I used to start drinking during these. Yeah.
1: It's what I usually do. Yeah. That's how he gets cushion cushion through it. The okay. Pushing. Yeah. Oh, that's bad.
2: So It seems for a while Nostradamus was, like, ambiguous as possible in many ways, but he did seem to predict his place in history. I don't know if it's (laughs) insight or if it's ego.
0: (laughs) I see what you did there, though.
2: Right. Yeah. So, in a subtitle for his great prognostication for 1557, uh, which would have been... uh, I believe the year or two years after his death. I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I don't remember the exact timeline. Well, yeah, the subtitle he wrote like
0: two years worth right before he died.
2: Yeah. So this was his subtitle for that for that text quote. In life, I am immortal, and in death, even more so. After my death, my name will live on throughout the world. Which he's not wrong. Well,
1: true, but so you know.
2: I. But like, is it just ego or? Oh. Okay, apparently my wife is bringing me a drink, so there you go. Might <laughs> well, as well.
0: Okay, I guess I'm the one raw dog in it this time. Okay. Oh, man,
2: strong. Woo! Oh, boy. Okay. Um, so- <laughs> it's straight whiskey, and I just took, like, a big Holy ol-
0: crap, oh. dude.
2: Oh, that burns. Okay. So,
0: we're talking <laughs> about, um, like, was it ego, or
1: was it, like, just yeah. him? Well, I mean... Anyone who seems to be as much of a salesman as this guy was, yeah, isn't right. going to think they're going to fade into obscurity. Well, also, I kind of have a—I feel like he
0: did the prophecies not just to cover his ass, but also the way he wrote them is so they could be poured over for years and years with people going, "What the I fuck mean, did I, he mean by that?" I mean, is obviously, there
1: reading? was there was like. An a uh, an audience for this in his time. Oh, obviously. So Very therefore, so. you know. It, oh, and you know, he, he was future
2: proofing everything as yeah. well.
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't see any uh, any current like TikTokers or you know anybody that has an audience thinking, you know, after I die, people are just gonna forget about me.
2: Yeah, that's true. I mean, uh, like it, it's definitely optimism, but you know what? Yeah. He was right. Yeah. I'll yes. give him that.
0: Yeah, so, and, and I give him all the credit in the world for being, you know, a good enough, whatever he was, to do that.
2: Right. Well, and, you know, part of me also wants to say that maybe this was added in by someone else. Like, maybe um, Chauvinier, like, added this before it went out to press, because, I mean, Nostradamus was dead by then, right? True. So, you know, but I, I think part of me just kind of wants to give him this one. Why the hell not, you know?
0: No, I'm with you.
2: Um, so what is clear is that Nostradamus became an industry after, okay, so I did get the dates wrong. He died in 1565.
0: Oh, okay. Well, then. So maybe
2: he, yeah, there we go.
0: It still could have been added later by someone else in a reprint, but yeah. Could have been his agent. I think he did it. I think he was like, look at my dick. Yep. (laughs) Look at my big old dick. he,
2: He really Louis CK'd that.
0: He really did.
2: Okay, so it, it is clear that Nostradamus kind of became an industry after his death in 1565. Mm-hmm. Now, now keep in mind that the claim was that Nostradamus had seen as far as head into the future as 3797. That's a hell of a year to see to, by the way. Right, right. So, I doubt Nostradamus was even in the ground before someone had thought that his work could be reprinted virtually forever. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so specifically publisher Benoit Regaud did just that, publishing Nostradamus' 1565 almanac that year and printing earl- uh, And uh, earlier, like in 1558, he had printed the first full volume of the prophecies. So he was the first one to pull all of these different volumes of prophet- prophecies together and do like a big collected edition.
0: So he's the August Durleth. To, you know uh, what, that's
2: pretty good, yeah.
0: Yeah, the August Derleth to uh, Nostradamus' H.P. Lovecraft.
2: Yeah, I think that's a pretty apt comparison there. But, like, okay. obviously this guy, he saw, like, oh, there's there could be some money made with this thing.
0: Oh, absolutely.
2: Now, of course, with the death of a living legend, well, not a living legend anymore, <laughs> but uh, with the death of a legend, copycats and charlatans would come into the scene. Now, Nostradamus had dealt with this during his lifetime, But now he would be unable to fight them on account of his being a corpse.
0: (laughs) I'd be impressed if he could.
2: (laughs) So um, the first of such fraudsters I could determine was Philippe de Nostradam, who claimed to be his nephew. This is not the case. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So a 1570 letter. Oh, yes. Yes.
0: I'm sorry, Mike. We're going to change your last name to Nostradamus. Okay, I'm down. And we're going to do a
2: book. Sure, why not?
0: Awesome. We, Get to predict. I mean,
2: we could, dude. <clears throat> we could. <laughs> Who's going to stop so, us? <laughs> exactly. No dramas can't. <laughs>
0: Fucking corpse.
2: <laughs> Dead motherfucker. Oh, yeah. His, his corpse gets slapped up a little bit, too. We'll talk about that.
1: <laughs> <clears throat> Great Robin.
2: <laughs> yeah, this story gets pretty weird, man. Wow. So um, so part of the reason we know Philippe de Nostradam was not his nephew was in a 1570 uh, letter from uh, Nostradamus' brother Jahan to a relative, uh, which confirms this. In the letter, he say, he says, quote, As for the so-called Philippe de Nostradam, I don't know who he is, and on my life and on my honor, he has falsely assumed the name of Nostradam in order that his bridling should carry more authority.
0: Dude, this is so sad. This is reminding me of like when Gallagher's brother toured as Gallagher too except that they're not actually related and like the family actually backed his brother. Okay. It's nothing like this. I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> yeah. Cause that was, that was actually his brother. Wasn't it?
0: Yeah, it was his brother, but he did like tour his Gallagher too and use the same shtick.
1: Well, you know, yeah.
2: At least it was kept in the family. Okay. It, to to yeah. me, it's more like, um, to me, it's more like a uh, luchador stuff Ooh. where like you'll have one luchador who like passes on the name to someone else so you have like Dr. Wagner and then Dr. Wagner Jr. or like- Blue, Demon, Blue Demon Jr. Hey did they ever pass
0: like San- El Santo on?
2: Um, I don't know I can't think off the top of my head oh, but uh, man. I-, I think El Santo is like legendary in the sense that they like no one could do that. Okay that's I- fair. People would call bullshit
1: on that immediate- immediately. It'd be, it'd be like having Jesus too. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that shouldn't be as Jesus
0: funny as Junior it is. Comes into Jesus the Jesus <laughs> Junior. Oh, that's an animated series from the 90s. I would have wanted to see right there with James Bond Junior, but Jesus Junior.
2: <laughs> Jesus Jesus too die harder. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Ooh. We put him up on two crosses.
2: No, this time we we put me on an X, so <laughs> The X oh. can really give it to you. Oh, that's
0: terrible. Uh, tell us about more fake Nostradamus, <laughs> David,
2: please. Of course, before I get us into trouble. Yes. So, um, <laughs> what, what you,
1: don't, you don't want to be in trouble with Jesus Two electric communion? Oh, man.
2: Oh, man. So uh, another one of these, um, this one's got an interesting name. So another one of these gentlemen was Antoine Crispin Nostradamus.
1: <laughs> Crispin,
2: Crispin, <laughs> yes, Crispin Glover, Nostradamus. I was
0: about to say Anton Quis- Crispin Glover, Lewis Stevenson, Nostradamus the Third Esquire.
2: <laughs> um, he would publish a variation of the almanac for 1571 with this incredible fucking title that I am going to read to you. Oh, oh please no. okay? do. And it it it's one of those long titles. So here we go. I. This was the title for the 1571 Almanac. Prognostication with its predictions for the year 1571, composed and calculated for all nine of the world zones by M. Antoine Crispin, called Nostradamus from Marseille in Provence, doctor of mathematics, manservant to the king, and physician to the Count of Tende, admiral of the West, Paris at the house of Robert Columbell.
1: Wow, librarians got really oh. tired of people asking for that one.
2: Yeah, oh
0: my god, man. It's right? like... <sighs> Oh, God, how do you even file that? Just like I'm filing it under this shit.
2: Just <laughs> Well, and that was the title for one of them. Here's the title for another. Oh, God. This one, I believe, was published in, um, I, I want to say, 1572. I'm not entirely sure. Mm-hmm. But the subtitle is A Verse Epistle Dedicated to the Most High and Christian, Charles IX, the King of France, by M1, M. M. Antoine Crispin Nostradamus, counselor, physician, and astrologer to his majesty, concerning an admirable sign of the comet appearing in the sky, complete with the interpretation of the Ferrara earthquake and the flooding of Holland, Antwerp, and Lyons, the effects of which will continue to the year 1584.
0: Okay. You know what this reminds me of? Huh. Fucking Tumblr hashtags.
2: <laughs> it reminds me of SEO writing. <laughs> you just you gotta get that search engine optimized article out there dude when you have a title
1: that won't fit into a tweet me thinks you should you know shorten
2: it well see it's a it's a subtitle you know what i mean the subtitle could be as long as you want god damn it no no it can't there are rules Apparently, not back then. This is before the
0: rules were established. See, this is why we have those rules now, is because somebody is like, oh, hell, I ain't reading this. I just read all this already. The title is the book. Exactly. (laughs) It's Um, like that fucking Fiona Apple album. (laughs) You know, the one that the whole title is just a poem. (laughs) Uh,
2: That's awful. So, so Antoine would continue to publish these almanacs until about 1592. Yeah, he, he had a nice, decent career. Bullshit. Yeah, uh, going he
0: on. he quit because he ran out of words. He used now, all the words. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, I think he just ran out of words at some point, and then he decided to die because he spent them all on their subtitles. Um. So. Our, our last case I want to talk about here is the case of Mikel Nostradamus the Younger.
0: Oh, that's, that's a cheat.
2: Right. Now, he's another grifter with perhaps the ballsiest move yet, if true. Okay. He had predicted that a fire would burn down the town of La Poisin and would later be found in the act of setting fire to the town to fulfill his prophecy. <laughs> 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 okay, yeah, it's awful. But he did
0: predict the fire, and he never said he wasn't going to be the one that started
1: the fire. Well, then Billy Joel, you know, made a song about it. Oh, that's true. <laughs> but no, it's, I thought it's it was not, we didn't
2: start the fire.
1: Yeah, it's it's not prophecy when you self-fulfill it. It's. Yeah, it is. By nature, it's, it's called it. Yeah, self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Well, no, that's that's when the prophecy is a bygone conclusion. When you prophesy something and then do it yourself, that's just saying, it, that's that's a, that's a manifesto. It's <laughs> been proactive. That, that's is, not a prophecy. That's manifesto.
0: You know what? This is honestly just like the arson version of when a serial killer just wants to get caught.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, you know, I'm going to switch my M.O. I'm tired of getting away with this shit.
0: Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna write a prophecy <laughs> about burning a town down, and then I'm going to try to burn a town down.
2: So, you know, um, you have all these people who come in at the wake of, you know, Nostradamus' death. Mm-hmm. Now, as for the, the estate of Nostradamus proper, his wife, Anne Posnard, would care for the family for another 16 years, seeing all of her children into adulthood. Which is great. Yeah, as a whole, the family was rather happy and healthy with no real tragedy besetting them. It's a wonder how wealth increases the quality of one's life. (laughs) That's true. It's like, oh, that's really nice. And then you remember, oh, wait, they were loaded. Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially by the end there. Mm -hmm. Now, as for Cesar, it would be a bit before he would take on the proper Nostradamian mantle, um so he would study uh astrology for a time
0: you know this is really like when a son takes over his father's place as a town cobbler if the town cobbler cobbled bullshit little poop nuggets
2: little poop nuggets he's making a little poop nuggets to put out in the world in book form wait wait, wait, i'm sorry a cobbler is a person makes shoes right yes why am I, i thinking of cobblestone streets made of
1: shit uh, I, was, I was i was thinking of someone that makes you know cobblers like oh, no peach cobblers you don't want, yes you
2: don't want these peach cobblers
1: oh no. <laughs> no. oh they came they're, right they're, out they're, to me peach they're they're road apple cobblers
0: oh god oh man <laughs> oh oh
2: glad i already ate jesus <laughs> oh man so you know in the short term, the Nostradamus machine was being run by Chavignier, who would publish compilations of his master's writing along with commentaries and interpretations. Okay. Now, the issue with this, however, is the number of biographical inaccuracies, which calls into question how close Chavignier even was with Nostradamus in real life, calling into question every bit of research I've done for the past several goddamn weeks. <laughs> I love that, when you're like,
0: oh, you know what this reminds me of? When uh, Marcus, on last podcast, was doing research into Nazis and the occult, and you get, like, all the way through an article, and then, bam! Oh, wait, this is a Delta Green supplement for, like, Fulu. Oh. Oh. Yeah.
2: Well, you know and I'm fortunate in the sense that, like, Ian Wilson did a lot of the heavy lifting, but even then, it's also, like... Oh my gosh! Like, yeah. it just we we can't be one hundred percent sure because it is the 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 sixteenth century. So you know, fuck hey it.
0: hey, I got a I got a great idea for you, buddy. When time travel is invented, we can travel back into the past, find Chavigny, and pants him.
2: I was just gonna go say like, have Nostradamus write us into the prophecies. Oh wow, that's even cooler, man! See, see, we were talking about like being like flim-flam artist last episode? Uh-huh. That That's that's the flim-flam artist thought process. That's our that's grift.
0: That's our grift. We get into the yeah. prophecies, and he talks about how
1: awesome the podcast is. I like See, this. that's why you have me. I'm yes. the one with no soul. Yeah. <laughs> yes. No, no. If I, if I had time travel, it'd just be like, you know, boring shit like buying Microsoft and Apple stock. Again,
0: I'd be going back and checking out dinosaurs, but yeah. Anyway, let's... <laughs>
2: <laughs> right. Um so so Chauvenier would eventually pass away in 1603 like after the do. publication of uh his Pleiades which is a uh, a compilation okay F- from there Cesar would take on the mantle of Nostradamus' work
0: so like basically once he came of age and really sort of
2: Yeah, but but the the difference here is that he wasn't making any prognostications or prophecies. He just kind of took over running the the Empire, basically.
0: (sighs) Definitely the Chris Tolkien. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So, you know, Caesar's most significant work was not in prognostication, but rather gilding the legend that was his father.
0: Well, that's how you make the money, isn't it?
2: Yeah, and well, and here's the thing. He didn't even really know his father all that well because Caesar wasn't even born until Nostradamus was in his 50s. Wow! No.
0: Do we want to so, talk about this Randy Old Goat Man for a second, or uh... I see myself getting into your pants?
2: <laughs> oh, Nostradamus! I <laughs> wonder what a Nostradamian pickup line would be like.
0: I already know where this is going.
2: <laughs> no, That's... I'm good. I'm good. Um, but no, so so like at, at most, I imagine like um, Cesar was maybe like 15 years old. When his father passed away. Damn. Like, I don't have the exact number. So, but but even then, like, apparently his father really provided for him, so... Yeah,
0: well, I mean, he no. wrote letters.
2: Yeah. So, uh, like, Cesar's single greatest accomplishment was a nearly 1,000-page history and chronicle of Provence, which was published in 1614. And a lot of it includes a great deal of information about the de Nostradam family, because they were, like, patrons yeah. of this area that's actually really cool yeah so that's where we get a lot of our our history i think uh from all of this uh and at least i think that's where um uh wilson pulls a lot from too but then again it's also kind of like loaded because it's trying to increase the the value of nostradamus to the community there
0: Mm, sure but i mean that's what you do right grift and ran in the family
2: so so we've talked about the grifters, we've mm-hmm. talked about like the immediate Nostradamus machine that starts. Let's skip ahead uh, a few decades now. Okay. So, among the claims that Nostradamians make about the prophecies is that Nostradamus had predicted everything from the Great Fire of London, to the French Revolution, to the rise of Napoleon... It would also become a common belief that he predicted the rise of Adolf Hitler, the bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, the moon landing, the AIDS crisis, and 9/11. Um, I, like even today, there are people who believe that he
1: predicted the uh, coronavirus. God, look, yeah, I saw that.
2: Do you do you think
0: when he was doing this? I mean, he can't always land on like some major event. Do you ever wonder just how many times he looked into the future in that bowl and saw some guy jackhammer and a flashlight to My Little Pony and just had to weep for what was coming?
2: Probably quite a bit, I would imagine, <laughs> because bronies are everywhere.
0: Just in general, just like, oh, Christ, all right, we're going to skip that one. Uh, where's the fast-forward <laughs> spell?
2: You, you'd imagine he'd probably question after the third time of seeing the exact same thing with the exact same guy. It's like, why do I keep coming back here?
1: But then he realizes it's it's a slightly different time, so it's it's actually different instances. Oh, so yeah. it's
2: later afterwards, and the guy is crying in shame about what he's done.
1: <laughs> yes, exactly. No, he's definitely not crying in shame. <laughs>
2: no, no, it's like, okay, what?
0: Okay, I'm seeing Him the future. I'm rinsing the
2: fleshlight in the dishwasher. <laughs> oh, <Yo>, God.
0: <laughs> All right, he's got a jar. He has a little
2: plastic horror. Oh, my God. Oh, God. Um,
0: yeah, yeah probably the most there.
2: disturbing thing we've talked about so
0: far okay yeah i apologize let's i'll <laughs> I'll, I'll i'll let y'all handle this now
2: <laughs> so, so so we could probably agree that it's not true that nostradamus really predicted these things because we spent the last 20 minutes talking about how these prophecies worked <laughs> yes um the the important thing is that as history marched onward it would perform its cyclical dance nostradamus would be evoked Uh, This is particularly important in the era of the French Revolution, as his tomb would be desecrated during this time. Mm. So, the 18th century was a trying time for Europe. And the resurgence in prophetic writing took hold during such unprecedented times. Hmm, that sounds familiar. Yeah,
0: no idea what you're talking about.
2: So, in England, the publication of choice was Old Moore's Almanac selling close to 400,000 copies by 1803. That's a lot. Yeah, considering like the population and everything like that, because you were you were still having small spatterings of the plague, mm-hmm. but it started to become uh, under control, so the population able to swell. So if we assume that there are 400,000 copies being sold of this almanac, it just tells you how much more likely it was that the population was so much larger.
0: Yeah, and in all fairness, there wasn't anything else to
2: do. So, you know, or except maybe to die in a territorial war, but... Um, sure,
0: but, I mean, you know, between that, you gotta read.
2: Yeah. So, just as Moore's almanac was selling like mad in England, France would see a resurgence of sales of the prophecies of Nostradamus. Already in French. Mm-hmm. So, as the Napoleonic era rolls around, Nostradamus was already dead for like two centuries. Yeah. All right. But but his vague writings could easily be repurposed in the context of a war torn Europe.
0: Yes, but David, like, surely that only happened the once, right?
2: I can't think of another time.
0: Uh yeah. Nope. Totally it,
2: it's just it's a tragedy that this thing happened only one time.
0: Yep, only the once, and then we never heard from Nostradamus again.
2: So, during the early run of the Napoleonic Wars, Nostradamus' predictions were considered an omen of Napoleon's eventual takeover of Europe. However, a little battle called Waterloo ran counter to these interpretations. Oh-ho! Mm-hmm. Worry not, though, because if Nostradamians can be given credit for anything, it's for changing the narrative to fit their facts.
3: Hmm. Enter
2: Quatrain 60 of Century 1, stating... An emperor will be born near Italy, who will cost the empire dear, when those with whom he allies are spoken of, he will be found to be less a prince than a butcher. Um, okay. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, uh, so, he ends up, like, Napoleon's responsible for a lot of death in Europe. Yes. Um, I I don't know how familiar our audience is with the Napoleonic Wars, but it was not a fun time. Um, a lot of people died. Really? Yeah, that, that, that seems to happen. So, you know, it sounds pretty astounding when you tend to ignore how these things are written and how, again, just prior to this interpretation, the claim was that Nostradamus had seen the takeover of Europe by Napoleon.
0: Have we considered that this might actually have been about a butcher?
2: It could have been about a butcher, yeah. Yeah. Totally. So, of course, forgeries <coughs> also would start to become evol- uh, involved. Such as a supposedly lost Nostradamian text that read completely different to his actual (laughs) quatrains, and that was almost written perfectly to fit the events of the era. So I have this bullshit right here. Okay. Depart over ashes, uh, ashes and ruins, and having no more bread and water by great cold, which will be so unfortunate for them. Two thirds of his army will perish, and half the rest will be no more under his dominion.
0: That's. Way too fucking specific to be our man.
2: Right. Doesn't even sound like Nostradamus either. Right. Mike? So yeah. So you know, it's during this time of upheaval, the French Revolution, that Nostradamus' tomb would be desecrated and his remains thrown about the church where they were residing. <laughs> Did they just pick him
0: up and like bitch slap him?
2: Pretty much. Pretty much. It's very. <laughs> it's very sad. Actually,
1: it's very fucked up.
2: Oh no. So I'm I'm going to quote Stefan Gerson here.
1: Hang on, hang Whoa. on.
2: Mike has oh, something. I'm just,
1: no. I'm just saying that they they just slapped his corpse around. Oh, I mean, is that what I'm is that what I'm hearing?
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, more more like they probably like took him by the femur and swung him around. Oh. to see how how far he could spread. <laughs> Holy it's shit! Like, uh,
1: that's what? That's like banana boats. Yeah, that's
2: pretty extreme, right? Yeah,
1: yeah. Now you have but a
2: quote it was extreme for this, times. right? Okay. Um, oh, I'm sorry, Kevin. What'd
0: you say? Uh, you've got a quote for this because I gotta hear. Yeah. I gotta hear the story.
2: Okay, so I'm gonna quote Stephen uh, Stefan Gerson here, who wrote, um, uh, "Nostradamus's last descendant at the time was a dim-witted beggar who the locals called a prophet. His uh, Nostradamus's crypt was accordingly the only place to feel Nostradamus's presence." but the Guardsmen spent little time pondering such connections. Instead, they broke the tomb open, exhumed the remains, and spread them across the church floor. Now, as to why, one suggestion is that if the French Revolution was a leftist movement, Nostradamus was a figure who represented the right, as his predictions in writing were often praising the monarchy of his day, which, if you know anything about the French Revolution, know this: the people did not like the monarchs anymore.
0: This that just sucks. I mean, Nostradamus, in context, he was trying to stay on their good side
2: and make some fat stacks. All right, and I'm I'm going to continue quoting uh, Gerson here, who writes, "Quote: Still, Nostradamus was moving towards the political right, like as as a phenomenon in Europe at the time. Right, uh." moving towards the political right, along with prophetic language in general. Disenchanted, anguished, and resentful, royalists found in his quatrain's portrayals of an apocalyptic battle and a disastrous finish for the revolution. Meanwhile, the people who are of the revolution see this as being like PR or puffery for the people who they are trying to destroy.
1: So so you're saying, what you're telling me is that we have a prophet whose writings were co-opted by the right. That doesn't yes. sound familiar at all.
2: Yeah, I'm sure that's never going to happen again. It's yeah. never happened before
1: or since.
0: Nope. It's yeah. it's amazing how so many one-offs are happening in this story. I can't even lie about this anymore, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Yeah. Yes, that's
1: who I'm talking about. Yes.
2: Mm-hmm. So, so Nostradamus's crypt was not the only tomb desecrated during the French Revolution. Uh, it might not be surprising to realize that a lot of tombs were broken into. Um, princes, nobles, clergymen would all have the remains tampered with. Churches would be destroyed. Palaces raided. The people would target the vestiges of the old ways, and unfortunately, the prophet was considered to be part of that.
1: Jesus Christ! Right? No, not so, his tomb. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> um they, they, yeah, they would have mm. traveled a little bit further for that one. Nice. Um, but you know, it, it so basically yeah, it, it's just people who are tired of being oppressed, they see some sign of like someone who they feel kind of put them in that position as well because as a as someone who like worked for the royals during mm-hmm. his day, he's helping he helped to perpetuate this system of abuse. Now, it could have also just been a bunch of drunk soldiers fucking with a church. It happens more often than you think.
0: It really does. I mean, I think maybe you should not let drunk soldiers get away with stuff. But anyway...
2: Right. And, you know, his remains were collected, and they were put into a new crypt, a better crypt. So, um, you know, like, things... Aside from his body becoming a human Jenga for a little bit, (laughs) things were okay.
0: Oh, God.
2: So, we're going to go ahead and do a little time skip here. We're skipping into WW2.
0: The second great World
1: War II. Or or as I like to call it, (laughs) Y. So, we're... (laughs) God. The
2: Nintendo Why uh, So we're gonna turn to one of the more hilariously stupid chapters of the Nostradamus <laughs> story. We're gonna talk about occult warfare in World oh, War II. Oh we are going oh, no. to talk about the Nazis.
0: Yeah. Okay. Man. Take another drink. Damn yep. it! Okay, here stop I go. Being right.
2: Mm.
0: I finished. This my time
2: drink. I didn't take a big gulp.
0: <laughs> uh, drink right. my coke in solidarity.
2: All right, so... um, Oh, no, it's not You keep going. (laughs) Okay. So a lot has been said about Nostradamus predicting the rise of Adolf Hitler and the various depravities and tragedies of World War II. The problem is is that a lot of this stuff, at least the Hitler stuff, is just from a dumb mistranslation and misunderstanding of Nostradamus' writing. Mm -hmm. So... The real story in all of this is how the Axis and Allied powers literally used Nostradamus as part of the war effort in a really bizarre chapter. So. What, what's up,
1: Mike? No, keep going. I'll, I'll, so I don't want to interrupt. Okay.
2: Oh, okay. Okay. So, as for the prediction of Hitler, uh, as well as the larger conflict of World War II, much falls on a very rough translation of Quatrain 57 of Century 3, compiled by uh, Abbe Charles Nicolaud in 1914. And the quote is, seven times you will see the British people change, tinged with blood in 290 years. France, not by supporting Germany, Aries doubts its Bastarnian pole.
0: Mike, David, have you ever been called a Bastarnian
1: pole? Once, but I didn't know what they were talking about, so I just kind of blew it off. Okay, that's fair. If I,
2: had, if I had a quarter for every time I was described as a Bastarnian pole, I would have two quarters.
1: Okay, wow. Yeah, that's it's, a lot of quarters. It's very weird. But so I, I did want to say, I looked it up and we've been, we're wrong. It's Godwin's law. That Godwin's say, law. There we go. That for uh, any, as, as an online discussion, discussion grows longer, the chances that it'll come back to Nazis increases, you know, or Hitler. It either comes back to comparisons to Nazis or Hitler. Our show. <laughs>
0: Is just that law incarnate pretty much mm-hmm.
2: yep. Poe's
1: law way, way to blitzkrieg your way into this, Mike nice. uh, Poe's law is the uh, law that uh, any sarcasm can be construed as you know fact,
2: which also applies here too. yes, yes. so yeah'
1: Without a clear well, we're very law of intent indeed. Like, like that time Colbert, or the many times Colbert was thought to be an actual conservative pundit oh, by the right. <sighs> so,
2: part of the reason why this quote is interesting is, what was going on in 1914? Why might the Germans be important?
1: Uh, I don't know. I can't think of it. So,
0: it's alluding maybe mm-hmm. World War One. Nah. Right. Mm. So,
2: so again, this might be a case of this Nikolad fella also kind of pulling his own little Nostradamian thing, where he's kind of reading the leaves, and he may be looking at like because you know as clear back as World War One, you could predict there was going to be a World War Two, pretty uh, successful.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, what's what's the quote, Kevin? Um, I forget who it was. Uh, which one about? Uh, well, the the the. At the signing of, the treaty, oh, at of Versailles. the treaty
0: of Versailles, yeah, no, I don't remember the exact quote, but somebody read the the quote and said, "This is this is not the treaty." Yeah, this is not a treaty. This is this is we're going to be doing this again in twenty years.
2: Yeah, and we could we could talk a lot about how the Treaty of Versailles was a big mistake.
1: Yeah, it, yeah, it, it definitely put a it set the very, stage for World put, War Two. Mm-hmm. Put onerous and undue hardships on the parties involved yeah we just but, made a very long ceasefire basically
0: yeah if you want to if you want to hear more of that go pay dan carlin and listen to hardcore <clears> history <throat> blueprint for armageddon fantastic the series. armageddon
2: the greatest <laughs> the greatest podcast ever created is dan carlin's hardcore history
0: i'm listening to supernova in the east again right now to get oh, caught so up. good i know his
2: series on the mongols is incredible
0: yeah. Can we just say a series on everything is pretty fucking great? Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. Dan yeah. Carlin's great. If Dan, if you're listening, and I know you are, we appreciate you. We want you on the show.
0: We really do appreciate you.
2: So, um, you know, another thing to note is that the 290 year period mentioned in the quatrain does not include a start date. <clears throat> so, even without a specific number, uh, well, because of that lack of a specific like start date, that it's still vague it can apply to nearly any situation that's true so something about the year 1939 however holds the key especially if you start that 290 year countdown after the execution of Charles I in 1649
0: so you're saying like the chain the english being changed 7 times
2: mm-hmm. hmm. and it just happens to line up with 1939 and oh i wonder if 1939 is going to be important so, good good rhubarb crop that year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, history's second greatest monster, Adolf Hitler, was in jail in 1921 in Munich. At the time, a German postal worker—I uh, don't have his first name. I'm going to say it's Carl. Carl Lug, The only <laughs> time I—the uh, only name I have for this asshole—took up an interest <laughs> in the Nicolaud translation of prophecies and that specific quatrain. Oh, now. Boy. Latching on to the term Bastarnian, Lug would publish a book suggesting whatever climatic event in this quatrain would involve Germany and Poland in nineteen thirty nine. That is because Bastarnian is a reference to the tribal rulers of what would become Poland. Cause remember Nostradamus always obscured details, so here it's right. essentially backfiring spectacularly here.
0: No, yeah, no. If there was a fucking prize for backfiring, this would be a contender for the gold medal in the we done fucked up Olympics.
2: Now, now, again, it's also probably a lot of again reading the room, right? Because yeah. by the 1920s, uh, with the rise of Adolf Hitler in Germany,
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know, like he has his mind set on the expansion of, in uh, the creation of a, a Third Reich. So right again. It doesn't take an Nostradamus to kind of see some of these patterns.
0: Well, yeah. And, yeah, and like you were saying, I mean this this Luke, which fuck that name, yeah. Um, Luke probably was reading the prophecies and like, or uh, whoever did the original translation, who did you say it was? Not Luke. Nicolad. 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 He may have been reading it and like figuring it out, and then like that. Of course tense his translation.
2: Right, and then these things just build on each other. Of course. So, it continues to build in a very stupid direction. (laughs) Um, The book does not become a problem until it was picked up by Dr. H. H. Kritzinger, who mentioned the Poland theory in his own book, Mysteries of the Sun and Soul, in 1922. Okay. Now, by September 1st, 1939, Hitler is swept into power as Chancellor of Germany's Third Reich, and nearly immediately orders his panzer division to sweep into Poland, annexing it. Now, weeks later, Magda Goebbels, the wife of Dr. Joseph Goebbels, Hitler's propaganda minister, points out Lug's Poland theory in Kritzinger's book.
0: You know, I had swollen Magda Goebbels one time, and they had to give me some cream.
2: Uh, A little cortisol, will take care of that. Yeah. uh, And here's the thing, she woke up her husband in bed. Oh, they they were asleep. he was asleep, she was reading like Nostradamus books at night, and then she's like, Honey, honey, wake up. I have something for you.
0: Man, I just picture it being uh uh Archie Bonker's wife.
2: <laughs> so Joseph, w- Joseph, wake up, I got a thing for your career. <laughs> oh man. So here's the thing. We know that from October to December of 1939, Goebbels' propaganda ministry was devoted uh, was devoting decent time to Nostradamus and, and astrology and how it could be used for the war effort. Oh, boy. The plan was simple. I quote Ian Wilson here. Quote, As early as November 22nd, the decision was taken to produce a Nostradamus leaflet in French, inevitably for propaganda purposes. A few days later, a very apprehensive Kritzinger uh, Kritzinger, found himself summoned to the ministry for some key questioning concerning concerning all that he knew about Nostradamus. It it continues. This bit is also very good. Wilson writes, not without difficulty, Kritzinger managed to persuade Goebbels that he personally possessed absolutely no powers of predicting the future.
0: Okay, I want you to stop for one second. Can you imagine the bullet-sweating situation of trying to convince the Nazis that you are not a psychic.
2: <laughs> oh, it's got to be a bad situation. Oh, my
0: God. I want that as a movie.
2: So so I, I, wa- I want to hear the conversation, though, because I just want to hear Goebbels be like, So, can you tell me what's in the future for the fear?
0: No, I'm not even sure I'm going to survive this meeting. I promise you I am not a
2: psychic. So, um, so, Kritzinger very smartly would direct the Ministry of Propaganda to Carl Ernst Kraft, an astrologer and paranormal researcher, and he most certainly would have had a podcast today. I feel a little bit called out by that.
0: But, and this, there's so many situations in this that just get my imagination running. Imagine Kraft running into Kritzinger in the street after this. You son of a. I swear to God,
2: I'll kill you. Oh, and it seems like Kraft was pretty on board. Oh, really? For, for a bit. For okay. A
0: bit. Well, I think It doesn't really work back. out
2: for him in the end.
0: Oh, I bet it doesn't.
2: Yeah, it seems to be a thing with Nazis. So, <laughs> um, <clears throat> the, the Ministry of Propaganda would have ultimately produced thousands of copies of propaganda brochures that pretended German victory across multiple European languages. Um, they additionally published an edited version of prophecies that skewed the prophecies to be more in favor of the Reich.
0: Quatrain 1, Century 1. Yeah, this Hitler guy is amazing.
2: I heard that he could kickflip over three homeless people.
0: I heard that he could lift a car over his head and then, if he so wanted, could swallow the car.
2: <laughs> I heard that his balls clack as he walked.
0: <laughs> now that I believe.
2: <laughs> so, um... Um, meanwhile, in London, which is currently besieged by the Blitz, enters the, quote, seriously overweight Hungarian-born refugee novelist with a special interest in astrology, Louis DeWall.
0: I'm pretty sure that last name translates to of the whale.
2: I also appreciate we had to know that he was seriously overweight.
0: I they, they, yeah. The fact that they had to throw that in there. How fat in in that time? How fat did you have to be to be listed as seriously overweight? And this is like, Churchill's like, around,
1: like yeah, a, what what a two bills
0: thirty? Two, but yeah, I don't know, man. Like but maybe, I mean, back then, stone. Like, Like, have you ever seen, like, pictures of, uh, like, the fat lady in, like, old circus photos? And you're like, that's not that fat.
1: I've I've seen a man that had to be removed from an apartment building with a forklift. That's not that fat. Yeah. No, it's... I I, I probably weigh more than that. Oh, God. I I hope not. I,
0: I hate the idea that you might be, like, if we get a picture of... Louis de and and put it next to you, we're going to be like, oh, no. Then again, I probably
1: have, like, a foot on him.
0: Uh, you know what? You're probably right. This motherfucker is probably, like, four foot three and, like, four foot three wide.
1: Yes.
2: So, um, you know, inspired by astrological patterns of Nazi military movements and the appointment of craft in Germany... DeWall worked for the Special Operations Executive for the Allied Forces. Mm-hmm. So the, uh, uh, the uh, it wasn't OSS, that's American, but right. uh, Special Operations Executive. So this was like the, I think this predated MI6, if I, I recall I think correctly. so. In
0: fact, I think World War II led to the founding of organizations that would eventually become yes. today's intelligence agencies.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, the thing is, is that Louis de Waal overestimated Kraft's influence. Um, he thought that Kraft was some form of personal Nostradamian advisor to de Fuhrer. <laughs> Instead, he was actually just working with the German news office, publishing the book How Nostradamus Foresaw Europe's Future in 1941, again using selective or edited quatrains. <laughs>
0: it's just- propaganda
2: and this guy's like they're using psychic powers. So, uh so Special Operations Executive ends up doing their own propaganda work with Nostradamus. Um following seeds planted before the invasion of France. Um so so Dr. Max de Fontbrun, maybe. Um, he wrote a na- uh, Dr. Max de Fontbrune.
1: Okay. Max de so, Front.
2: But- Max front butt. Yes, Max a front butt. <laughs> so, so he wrote a book in 1938 that predicted quite astutely that France would be invaded by Germany.
0: I'm pretty sure that was not hard to see coming.
2: Yeah. Uh, again, read the fucking room. Yeah. So, um, I'd argue that the signs were on the wall based on Germany's ramping up of their war machine. But the book was still banned by the Vicky government when France was annexed in 1940. The mm-hmm. Germans were like, nope, no more of that book.
0: Nope, nope. <laughs> we're going to so, disappear that one.
2: Right. So, regardless, the wall would use this book as part of a counter-propaganda push. This book would play on the idea that Nostradamus' mention of a Hister referred to Hitler, when in fact it was just an obscure way to refer to the Danube River in
0: Germany. I- I've heard that, actually, quite a lot, and uh, I believe that, that it was actually, he's talking about the uh, the river.
2: Yeah, because he used to call countries by older names, he used yeah. to refer to them by, you know, the tribes that held them and everything like that, so sure. he went with the name Hister. Um, another trick up the sleeve of DeWall was to leak fake correspondence involving craft, suggesting that Germany would lose the war. But at this point, it didn't really matter because Kraft was already imprisoned at the time.
0: Uh, he must have. Nazis. Must have accidentally called Hitler the potato headed git that he was.
2: Something but like that. Because, like, the, the, the people who got the, the letter, they're like, well, he was in jail. How could he have written this? So, <laughs> you know, it would. Uh, and, it, you know, it's all It's a magical war. It's a it, magical war in World War II. It's very stupid. It is.
0: There's a lot of stupid in that war, yes. Um, But, like, it was alternately, you had to either, A, really fuck up bad to be imprisoned by the Nazis, or not do all that much to get imprisoned by the Nazis. It just kind of depends on who you are. Um, Mm -hmm. The
1: the Jews would have something to say about that. I'm talking about within the German military. Oh, that Kev. That's the thing about authoritarian regimes. They they don't take kindly to anything at all. That's true. Didn't they? Didn't like uh,
0: Kim Jong Un have like one of his uncles fed to like wild dogs or something?
2: That's
1: reportedly reported.
0: Reportedly, allegedly.
1: Allegedly.
0: allegedly. allegedly. Alright, yeah, that's, that's fair. That's opinion.
2: a word we need to use more in this show. You're allegedly.
0: Right. I don't know, man. Like we just we should we'll just say
1: on. allegedly at the beginning and it just covers everything we say afterwards. <laughs> that should be it's the like subtitle insurance. of every episode. Yeah. It's just <laughs> a disclaimer. Everything you hear is allegedly take with a grain of salt. Oh, yeah, I'll <laughs> we just got h- a
2: timer h- get. every five minutes and one of us has to bark in allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, you know, so that's the magical war going on in Europe, which that's not like even the dumbest part of the magical war. We'll talk about that in the future, probably.
0: Oh, we have to. Yeah. You
2: know, the Americans would also become involved fashionably late.
0: That's, Uh, That's our thing, man.
2: Yeah, yeah. so uh, President Roosevelt encouraged MGM, the the big movie studio in Hollywood at the time, to make a series of Nostradamus short films that would suggest America's role in ending the war and swaying public opinion to join the war, because uh, Americans were very much not wanting to get involved in another European war, even though they profited really well off of the last one.
0: Yeah, but Um, America for... Sorry, go ahead, Mike. I didn't
1: say anything.
2: Oh,
0: I'm sorry. I was just going to say that, you know, mostly... America, up until World War II, was still trying to be uh, isolationists. Mm-hmm. World uh, War I, hey, was, they did not want to do that.
2: Yeah. So, um, MGM did some really heavy fucking lifting here. Um, taking the term flambeau, which translated to torch in English, and suggesting that it was a direct reference to the Statue of Liberty.
0: You know, I've been called flambeau a few times. I'm very that Flambeau. sounds like a
2: cool name, man. It
0: really is.
2: Sup, I'm Flambeau. How you doing?
0: <laughs> yeah, you want to come back to my place? I can show you my etchings. I'm Flambeau.
2: <laughs> so, you know, this occult warfare of the Second World War is probably one of the most ridiculously nerdy things to have ever happened as part of shaping the geopolitical makeup of the Jeez. globe. Right? Like, like it, it had an actual... Effect on the shaping of the globe, in and in a, in a small way, but it's weird to think about how much that actually kind of it, affected all this. It's very strange. It's very we're
0: strange. We're living in the aftermath of a war that involved everybody taking a man staring into a bowl of water seriously.
2: Right. You know, Nostradamus being a chapter in this very much like a "fuck it, throw it in" moment <laughs> in all of this. <laughs> So, it's a very, like, strange chapter of his legacy, maybe the oddest of all, but I think we can get a little odder. I I think we're going to try to do that. We're going to take things a little stranger here. Now, note that, again, all of this stemmed from Nostradamus' gimmick, his vagueness as a way to protect himself. In doing so, however, his writing became a sword of more than one nation at war.
0: You know what? That's all this talk about this and and legacies affecting the world, I really hope that Bill Hicks comedy doesn't somehow lead to the end times.
2: Yeah, it's like in our war with the uh, the people on Mars once we split into colonies and like some of them follow the, the teachings of Bill Hicks. Yeah,
0: it's going to be the Hicks the Hicksons versus versus the Carlinites. Uh,
2: You know what? I'm willing to die in the comedy wars.
0: You know, yeah, I'll fight in them. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll 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 land a couple jokes. I'll fight under the banner of George Carlin.
2: (laughs) I'll fight for either. Yeah. So, um, (laughs) we're going to move into our final section here. This is a rough one. So fueled by a rough couple decades and government distrust, the late 20th century became another period in which Nostradamus would come into the spotlight again. This is no more apparent than in the events surrounding September
1: 11th, 2001. I remember that. Yeah. I mean, not just September 11th, but all the Nostradamus <laughs> punditing. Yeah. Well, well, hey, look, of course you remember, remember? Never forget. Well, oh, yeah. God. Well, sometimes I forget, and then I feel I f- bad about
0: it. You know what? I'm just going to go ahead and read the one word I had as a note for the, when you said September 11th.
2: Fuck. <laughs> Yeah. So I'm going to quote from Stefan Gerson here, who writes, uh, you know, I've used him a lot in this episode, um, but I haven't always quoted him. But here, here's a great quote from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, this is about like the uh, immediate aftermath of 9-11. So within hours, rumors circulated that he, Nostradamus, had predicted it all. One widely distributed email contained a prophetic text that spoke of a city burning, a third big war beginning while a great leader succumbed, and two brothers being torn apart by chaos. Another email (sighs) evoked a king of terror and disaster during the year of the new century and nine months. Quote, the sky will burn at 45 degrees and fire shall engulf the world.
0: You know what? I feel
2: like I'm back on Usenet. Yep. So these are not real Nostradamian <laughs> predictions. Of course not. But they spread immediately in the days and weeks after 9 11. They actually mutated from an initial fake prediction composed by a Canadian student.
0: Damn Canadians. Mm
2: hmm. Blame Canada. Blame Canada. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there were, of course, many other such predictions at this time because, again, there's an entire industry about this thing, which you're going to get into. Um, that followed the chaos of nine
0: eleven. Yeah, and I really just want to point out that nobody fucking ever does research when there's a Nostradamus prophecy going around. They just assume the shit is all nice and
2: accurate. Well, and this uh, this is especially true in like two thousands internet, right? Because we oh, didn't yeah. really develop that information literacy. We hadn't really like gotten into trolling too much. Oh yeah, you know, no, everything was true. Yeah. It's but, like that. Yeah.
0: It's like that whole thing about. Sure, surely they wouldn't lie on the
1: internet. I
2: well, know for a fact that Mister T ate my balls.
1: <laughs> I so I pretty much within the first couple of years of becoming internet savvy was plunged into something awful. So that's true. I I I, 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 I was. Formed by the trolls. Molded no, no. by the trolls. No, you know, I I'm, I'm talking like the sun broad until strokes. Until I was here a ago. man. Hmm. What did you say, David? Sorry.
2: Sorry. Oh, oh, no, that's fine. I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm talking like broad strokes here, like collectively oh, yeah. as a society. Because well, there yeah, were those no, of I'm us just yeah, who. That. Yeah, just, there were those of us who kind of picked up on, like, okay, well, there's some bullshit going on here. Um, But, like, for, for the vast amount of society, like, nobody thought that, like, the internet could be used for ill will. It was mostly to oh, sell. Yeah. Beanie Babies and pet food and all of that. So yeah. and, and,
1: and was Wikipedia around at the time? no. Oh, I don't no. know when it
2: launched. No. Um, can't remember. I,
1: Wikipedia first showed up when I was in high school, actually. Really? I think. Yeah, I think. Um, but it I, still I don't don't wasn't know, like, Wikipedia. Probably in, you know, well-known use at the time. Mm-hmm. January 15th, 2001. So, before. Oh, wow. So, the same well, year. I was in high
2: school at the time, so there okay. you go.
1: But but it was still it still takes several years before it became an in yeah, common no. internet, you know, yeah. parlance. Resource. Yeah. Well, and this
2: was back when Amazon was still just like a bookstore.
1: Yeah. Oh God. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. So so if you online wanted to uh say Sanity check some random supposed Nostradamus quotes. You might be hard pressed to find the actual text,
0: or you could drive to Barnes and Noble, find a copy of a
1: book, and read. Um, fuck that, no. <laughs> well, actually, that is
2: the that is actually the case. So all of this, these fake prophecies resulted. Uh, they, they resulted in further interest in Nostradamus's writings. So I have a quote from the New York Times published um like the week after nine eleven.
3: Oh wow! Quote.
2: Among the top 25 best-selling titles at the online bookseller Amazon.com for much <laughs> of last week and again yesterday were three editions of Nostradamus's Prophecies, four books about the Taliban movement in Afghanistan, and two histories each of the World Trade Center and Osama bin Laden's terrorist network. So you have all these very legitimate, serious books about terrorism and middle eastern um you know policy and that sort of stuff and then you have three different fucking translations of nostradamus <laughs> jesus i i just i really appreciate the online bookseller amazon.com yeah no them.
1: seriously
2: you know, n- compare it now to the uh, the company that owns every single one yeah. of us—the yes.
1: online oligarch of retail, Amazon.com. Yeah. Which you know, I have I have to admit my part in it. Uh, like, yeah, if I want something, it's the first place I look. We have all bathed I mean, in the blood two day of Two-day shipping, it. man! Two-day shipping. Got yeah.
2: So what? What I'm getting to here at this <clears> point <throat> is that Nostradamus is an industry in the Western world. Oh yeah. His writing, his assumed track record, the openness to interpretation generated by his writing has made him a publishing staple for for like centuries, really. But like, especially like these days, he's like bread and butter in yeah. certain
1: circles. I would, at least in my experience, I would say he. It seems like he's on the wane. Like, I would say you know, 90s, early 2000s. I heard more about Nostradamus than I have you know in the 20 teens. Sure. But then
2: again, th- the thing is, in his history, he had that same issue. Like, uh, like the century after he died, he was on the wane again. But the minute like shit starts kicking up in France with the revolution, uh, you know, Big Daddy Nostradamus is back.
0: It's it's all cycles. It, mm. oh, yeah. he will come back when it's time for people
1: to go crazy. So, and so you're shit saying about you're it. saying he'll you know he'll flare up and then die down. Like hemorrhoids, yes. like herpes. hmm Yeah, he's like
2: herpes. psychic herpes.
1: Yes. So, and,
2: and and that's the thing. Um, there's also a universality and a timelessness to Nostradamus. So I'm going to quote Gerson, who here, he, he writes this. I think this is like a beautiful statement here. Quote, Nostradamus draws us into a strange universe full of ghosts, eerie prophets, and ominous forecasts. The strangest thing of all, however, is that Nostradamus and his predictions have become an enduring facet of the modern West.
0: Very so, true.
2: Mm, yeah, so you, you mentioned like he's on the wane right now, but I would su- I would suggest that based on what we're looking at right now, he's got to be bouncing back pretty hard. Mm. So, and then we'll we'll Well, get into that a little bit. So in
1: in uncertain times, people are looking for, you know, some stability, some reason, some, you know, something to help. And, you know, some, some vague predictions can, you know, be a bit of stability.
0: Well, yeah, it's like we were saying earlier, or I think David was saying earlier that, you know, it's, uh, it's about answers. You're looking for some kind of a, uh, force that, uh, that can, if not predict, show that there's like a through
2: line. You know, and and so again, blanket. like um, yeah. Uh, well, and again, you have um, like people making that suggestion that Nostradamus saw the coronavirus. Right. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you, within the next two weeks, we are going to get someone who says, "Oh, Nostradamus predicted what happened with Ukraine." Oh, of
1: absolutely. Course. Well, yeah, I mean, he he lived through a fucking plague, so of course he's going to be like, There's going to be a plague!
2: Yeah. So, you know, uh, Nostradamianism at this point is the self-replicating machine. It's a timeless source of after-the-fact revelations that will only continue to perpetuate as long as human society exists. However... The problem is that people still believe these things, going as far to make arbitrary and sometimes important decisions based on horoscopes and Nostradamian predictions. Yeah. Um, you know, the the book, for example, there was one person who, like, changed their travel itinerary because of something that was revealed in the weekly world news as a Nostradamus prediction. <laughs> mm. Like uh, And this was, like, in the 2000s. So yeah. So th- th- that's pretty recently, I would say. Yeah. So as modern as we are as a culture we're still largely superstitious and nostradamus still very much haunts us in that regards uh, in oh, that regard
1: i think i think the human mind there is something biologically rooted to believe in superstition to believe in i it probably might tie into our pattern recognition was, and all that i was that, just going to say it's pattern there, there is something there because i you know for every you know you say I'm the skeptic but I fall victim to it as well well yeah you're like human. there there are things that you know I will think and I'll be like why the fuck am I thinking that but it's like you know if I do X then Y will or won't happen sure and, but well, I- the things that aren't related not like I brush yeah. my teeth therefore my teeth won't fall out it's more of I you know don't step on this crack therefore my mother's back will not be broken
2: mm-hmm well, and, Isn't you know, you if, our listeners, if our listeners want to know more about this, I suggest they go back and they listen to that first episode of our Moon series, because we mm-hmm. get into that quite oh, a bit. Oh, yes. So, you know, part of the harm that comes from Nostradamus being a thing culturally is how it plays into ideology, you know? Mm-hmm. And we saw that, like, represented very well with the French Revolution, with World War II, um, you know, so... Let's talk about a little bit of a modern context here. So, in 1979, the Weekly World News started using Nostradamus constantly. And as much as I love the Weekly World News, I quote it uh, every radio show that I have, um, (laughs) there is a very real danger in how it would attach Nostradamus to every single event and tragedy that would spring on the Western culture.
0: Now... Before we go further, I really need to note that in the 1970s, supermarket tabloids actually had just enough investigative journalism and clout to be taken vaguely seriously. I mean, the National Enquirer used to do actual reporting on real news, and uh, it's a far cry from what we know now in the open joke that is a weekly world news, but in the 70s, the supermarket tabloid did have investigative journalists. So, you know, there was some clout to it. And that, and you have a mixture of the real news and then fucking Nostradamus.
1: Which is kind of a little more scary because it kind of lends credence. It's like, exactly. well, they are right about you know, this real thing. Here's Nostradamus. Oh, what yeah. do they know that? I don't.
0: I mean, like, you know, they were all over the whole, like, most government scandals back then. And it's like, well, they were right about
1: Watergate. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah, the minute there's uh, an AIDS crisis, Nostradamus saw the AIDS crisis, and that that's a problem. So, mm-hmm. Absolutely. In a, in a lot of ways, Nostradamus is a great tool for the Christian right. Mm-hmm. Who they reject occultism on principle, but can't help but get a little biblical swell at the ideas that Nostradamus, uh, that Nostradamus predicts the end of the world. Or maybe that a war might lead to the end of the world. Or a worldwide pandemic might just lead to the end of the world.
1: Or so, burrito night might lead to the end of the world. Now that's possible. <laughs> yeah, you should see the toilet after. Oh my um, god. <laughs> so. Um,
2: yes, claims have been going around for the past two years that Nostradamus has seen uh, foreseen the coronavirus. Not true at all. Uh, again, yeah. it's a lot of that like selective editing. A lot of it's just like fake prophecies written in the style of Nostradamus.
0: Right. And these days, they definitely do not do the research.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, so part of the reason why this is such a problem is that the end game of Christianity is the end of the world. It's it's a difficult. Yeah, it, and it it fuels their response to tragedy. So even though one would assume they would reject the prophecies on principle because again, it's not very Christian, he essentially speaks their language even today centuries later. I
0: I agree because the inclusion of revelation in the Bible had a surprisingly adverse effect on Christianity. It gave it this sort of doomsday cult slant, but no hard date for the end times. You know, like the Seventh Day Adventists started out with a date, and now they don't have one. But, like, in a lot of ways, it sends Christians searching for some form of a date and proof so that they'll know when Jesus is coming back, which, like you said, that's the end game. And while all the sources may seem or be a cult, it's still something that falls in with the final chapters of the Bible. So seriously, Christianity's just a doomsday cult with no set in stone final date like Om Rikyo had.
2: Right. You um, know, I don't wanna I don't wanna like judge all Christians, you know? No, like, no, no, but i just Christians. mean... But, like, there is this kind of larger, more unsettling trend of looking forward to doomsday, which is why yeah. so much of, like, American policy regarding Israel is the way it is, because mm-hmm. it is tied to biblical prophecy and interpretation.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's there's no real make the world now a better place. It's, oh, the world will be fine once you're dead.
2: Yeah, because it, there's no yeah. like there, there's no hope in the Bible when you get to Revelation, because it's not about making a better world, it's about surviving leaving this world to, the
1: world to die. Not even, yeah. Sur- yeah. not even surviving the world, just, you know, doing okay, and then, you know... And you no-clip be through be be the plane, and then you arrive to... in heaven. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> or you end up in the back rooms.
2: There you go. Yep. <laughs> So so it's, what I'm getting at here is that there's this whole industry that's kind of predicated upon using these predictions to push damaging ideology, utilizing this like strange blend of quasi-mysticism and Christian-adjacent doomsday thought. There's a very real presence and embracing of magical thinking and far-right ideology, and yeah. often they'll like, evoke Nostradamus. So... I'm going to quote from an uh, a write up at the Southern Poverty uh, Poverty Law Center.
0: Fantastic organization, um, by the
2: way. Yeah, very important work. So this is a um, discussion between two. Uh, this was like a transcript of a discussion between two people in an alt right group. I don't quite remember the name of it, but um.
0: Uh, you know what? Let's not give them the uh, yeah, the satisfaction yeah. of being named. Yeah, fuck those guys. Okay, so so these assholes.
2: Um, yeah, so I'm I'm just going to read this uh, this transcript as I have it right here. So, quote, I had a dream about an international training camp. A member of the blank told the others in a group chat on an encrypted app in February 2019. I think it was mid-collapse because I don't think anyone cared much about keeping a low profile because we're making bombs, ammo, and deadly gases. Everyone looked a bit more seasoned than I expected as well. It totally felt real, though. It's a premonition. You're like Neo-Nazi Nostradamus, ha ha. wrote back under a uh, pseudonym. Jesus Christ, that just scares the shit out of
0: me, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah,
2: so this guy is talking about uh, he's having his own prophetic dream of societal collapse and military action among his far right oh, compadres. God.
0: It's like the Turner Diaries, but psychic.
2: Yeah. Fuck. Uh, yeah. Uh. So, you know. I, I kind of want to leave us with this kind of uh, this kind of harrowing image in mind about these two dickheads in an online chat talking about like predicting the end of the world and directly evoking Nostradamus and part of their ideology to kind of talk about how harmful this can be.
0: Yeah, you were talking about his legacy. I, I think this is his legacy.
2: Yeah, it, it's it's. I don't know if it's 100% this, but this is definitely something that we have to grapple with because, um, you know, the, the world is heading progressively, well, not progressively, but it's heading in a more rightward direction, at least, regarding the people in power, mm-hmm. and they're being pushed along by these groups that are kind of embracing this weird quasi-mystical Christian ideology. Yeah. And I... I, I just I feel like it's doing Nostradamus dirty. Sure. So you know I I just want to kind of end that there, but I I, I want to know what you guys think about this. We, we spent like, I feel like we're getting close to like four hours now having <laughs> talked about Nostradamus.
0: <laughs> I'm not going to tell you how of accurate you are, but uh, no, I feel that <sighs> again. It reminds me, like I said last episode, of uh, Blavatsky writing this stuff uh, in her time, and then like Hitler going, I like the sound of these magical white people. And it's kind of the same thing, you know? And especially since it's so broadly written, anyone can grapple onto this and just like, run with it.
3: Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And it can be incredibly dangerous.
2: Oh yeah. (laughs) So Mike, what's your impression of Nostradamus after spending 4 hours hearing me talk about this guy?
1: Um, I mean in general, I mean it's fuck that guy. I mean, no, it's <laughs> fuck the people that <clears throat> use that guy. Well, for for Nostradamus, so it's there's there's t- too many layers like so like Nostradamus the guy, I mean, he was obviously just you know,
0: he's a simple man trying to make his way in the world.
1: No, not, not (laughs) quite that innocent because I'm quoting Boba Fett. There's no innocence here. Well, I wouldn't say simple either because he's, you know, try. He's,
2: he was kind of part of the elite. When you think about it, Yeah, he's
1: he's partly, he's huffing his own farts because he believes he can see shit. Mm -hmm. Um, by looking into his toilet,
2: it would be funny if it was just this chamber pot he was yeah. looking into. But uh, oh, no, as I mean, as far as the, those tea leaves, <laughs> and with, they came uh, out as full leaves too. The oh, oh, tea oh, leaves.
1: Oh man, um, but but you know, for the as far as the legacy goes, I mean. <sighs> I'm not convinced it has the impact or the importance, but it's still, you know, yeah, it's going to, like anything else, it's being used for people's own agendas. Like, Mm -hmm. just like the Bible, it's being used for, and warped to people's own agendas. I mean, he... Look, here's the thing. If he could predict shit, he would predict what his uh, words have been used for and probably would have just burned them.
2: You know, and I think that's fair. I think that's a fair assessment of that.
0: Yeah, that's that's true. Because if he had seen World War II, and not just World War II, but like the way he was used in World War II, there's a very good chance uh, he would have put a crossbow up to the side of his head, I guess.
1: Mm. At least he would have just gotten really drunk. Yeah, that's fair. So, you know, I, I don't know if we'll be able to draw
2: like a conclusive ending to this because like there's a lot that we have to to contend with with all of this. But well, I, I do want to kind of wrap this up because um, I want to play a little game with you guys. Yeah.
0: Sure. But before we do play the game, I'm just going to say one thing. Mm-hmm. There's not going to be an ending to the Nostradamus story until thirty seven ninety seven.
2: When he comes back. From- you know what?
0: <laughs> if he did, it'd make this whole goddamn thing worth it. Even the year three thousand seven hundred ninety-seven. That's I'm, what happens. I, I
1: don't think I'll be around for that.
0: I don't. Well, even if you became immortal, like I said.
1: I'll kill you on principle. Don't kill me, please. Okay, alright. If I find immortality, let me live. Okay, so.
2: Upload me to a thumb drive and plug me in around then so I can see (laughs) what's going on. I'm
0: going to plug you into the sexiest little robot I can find. (laughs) Captain
1: Picard's going to be really mad when Nostradamus comes back. (laughs) (laughs) It's just Q the whole time.
2: Turns ah, out hello, ten yeah Hello, Jean-Luc. <laughs> Alright, so
0: this game.
2: Yeah, so are I, I challenged all three is. of us to um, create our own predictive quatrains for 2023. Okay. Oh, I, I didn't know it, that was it, it, the uh, rules, but okay. Hey, okay, the good well, news is know, the
0: quatrains are uh,
1: like vague.
2: Well, well, we know someone didn't look at the outline.
1: <laughs> no, yes, uh, Kevin just asked me if I'd write a quatrain. I said sure. I said if you had written your quatrain, well, you no, you said you know something about writing quatrains. I said yeah, I'll write one. Okay, but but i did not much like like napoleon's
2: forces two-thirds of us are prepared
1: okay (laughs) so that's fine uh, i have a quatrain it's just not a predictive one yes it is no no, no
2: worries no worries um so you know considering nostradamus predicted two years ahead with his uh his prognostications on his deathbed i figure we can predict 2023 here in february of 2022 sure so um I think I want you to go first, Kevin. I like you. You like my. Thank you. All
0: right, Mm -hmm. guys. Let me try to do this in the way they did it on all those documentaries I used to watch. Mm -hmm. The eagle sees the shining light, and thus it splits the nest. Brothers, prepare for the longest fight, and none shall know true rest.
2: Ooh, I got shivers.
0: Ooh. How's that for so, my ASMR?
2: <laughs> so, um, Eagle has got to be the United States, right?
0: That's a good guess.
2: Okay, so... this I I don't know. Looking at this, I think it means that there's going to be like a split in the United States.
1: Okay. Like a new Civil War. Yeah. That's what it's red-light like to me.
3: Yep,
0: yep. Uh, and I threw the shining light in there in case a uh, nuclear bomb goes off.
2: Dude, this is this is sad, scary.
0: Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) there's something about
2: like a good Nostradamian quatrain that kind of creeps you out because you're, it's like you're you're watching this at like a uh, like 1 a.m. on the History Channel in your (laughs) darkened living room. You can't sleep, and you just hear these like Nostradamus predicted the end of the world, and then they have the quatrain,
0: and you're like, oh shit, dude, that totally matches up. Yeah. yeah, no,
2: I, I think you've done an excellent job there. That's fantastic. Well, thank I you. I that
0: one. I just, you know, know, it's I, like, I want to be vague, but, like, I want to throw the hints in, and yeah. I got to have a nuclear bomb, because everybody's always like, I predicted Hiroshima.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: All right, David. How about, actually, actually, mm-hmm. I want to hear Mike's. I was going to say, mine's not predictive, so. Yeah, but, you know, it's like. Well, we can do quadrants. yours, and then we can
2: do a good one.
0: <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Fuck. Mike, you gonna let him do that to you? Yes.
1: Oh, shit. Okay. That's, my, that's my shit. Okay. That's no, not. <clears throat> but so mine... See if I can. I can do the History Channel. You were very Southern in your History Channel voice. I just remember it I being was, very neutral.
0: I was actually doing my Tom Maryland impression from when I read it, the Wheel it, of it Time. It
1: sounded very
0: like
1: like you came out of the the mountains of you know the Smoky Mountains. I
0: came off a fuck mountain yeah. for
1: this. A once popular and exalted man, hated for the truth, wrong or right. An election was stolen from his hand. Recounts cannot bring him the House of White.
0: Fuck. Actually, okay, so the thing is, <laughs> yeah. it still works. Yeah. It's just like you know, one of those in hindsight quatrains. Yes. Well, do I not like post
2: that. it anywhere because no, we're going to see it trending no. on Twitter. That's,
0: that's why that, I'm glad not
2: you
1: post don't it Don't ever share do you know, it. You know who that's about.
0: Um, George Bush Senior. No, I know it's about that fucking tangerine-faced bastard not about Trump. Either what? Who it's
1: about Al Gore? Yep, you got it. Son of a yep. bitch! Really? <laughs> yeah. Yep, Holy yep. shit, dude! But I, I I wrote it to be uh, purposefully confusing. Dude, that's right? awesome! You nailed it. I mean, so like we may we may have to censor yeah. that entire
2: thing because I do not want to be responsible I, yeah. for the next big Q and on rumor.
0: Yeah, <laughs> no, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna listen to the show, and when it gets the mic's quatrain, it's just gonna be Boo! for the whole thing. We're just, just our reactions.
2: That was good. Oh, no, though. that was, that like was good. That. Though it was good, man. Awesome. You understood the assignment, even though you did not actually read the assignment. So good for <laughs> yeah. you. Very good, Mike.
0: Okay, David. What what
2: have you got for us? Okay, all right. I'm going to try to do my best narrator voice. I'm gonna I'm gonna start it and then I'm gonna lose it halfway through. So of here we course. go. The waves die down in time, though not without carving the shore. The heavenly sphere becomes rocked as waves resume once more.
0: Global warming? No. Hmm. Did you write this about an asteroid impact? No. Okay. Uh, uh, volcano.
2: No. <laughs> <laughs> Just throw every fucking disaster at me, why don't you? Is,
0: is it a dog giving birth?
2: Um, I'm sure there's a dog giving birth at the time, but it's not oh, yeah. about that.
0: Did you have a vision of a man taking a shit?
2: I mean, I always kind of do. I'm wired that way. It's weird. Okay. I yeah. I. <laughs> don't I don't know. My brain. Yeah, I can't. Think. think uh, I want you to think of the word waves. What might I be referring to?
3: Uh,
2: what what comes in waves, besides regret? Diarrhea. <laughs> well, okay. Besides regret and diarrhea. <laughs>
1: Regretful hand hand.
0: diarrhea. Uh, Jesus, dude. I don't know. You kind of got me stumped on this one. So... Is it about radio?
2: No, it's about pandemics. Ooh. Oh, oh, Omicron. So okay. The, the, yeah, the wave I dies gotcha. down in time, not without carving the shore. So perhaps yeah. the elimination of part of a population.
3: Okay.
0: The
2: heavenly sphere becomes, Earth, rock. becomes rocked as there's a new wave of some sort of pandemic. Okay. Yeah. It's depressing as shit. I don't know why. Yeah. I just, I went for They're it.
0: always depressing as shit. They're <clears throat> quatrains. Yeah.
2: So oh, so who won the game? We, we should uh, ask the listeners to yeah. to tell us yeah. who, who they think won that one.
0: Contact yeah. us on Discord or via Twitter at SuperNetPod. And, or, you know, fill out the form on the website and let us know which of the three quatrains, assuming Mike's doesn't get censored, <laughs> uh, which one you think is the best. And, right. we and we will announce it once we get a consensus.
2: There you go. And with that, I am handing the wheel back to you, Kevin, because uh, I am fucking done. All yes. right. Congrats. Yes, thank ben.
0: you. You did a fantastic job with these two, David.
2: It, it's fun. It's fun stuff. You know, I already have my next one planned. So
0: that whole one episode one.
2: Yes, that, what, the next one will be one episode, but yes. the, the one after that is going to be another one of my, I write entirely way too much.
0: <laughs> That's it's okay. It's going to be a banger, though.
2: It's going to yeah. be a banger.
0: It's going to be awesome. <laughs> so, uh, questions. We have some questions that David has been, thankfully, uh, awesome enough to post in the outline. So... The oh first one we have is from Kick Acetron and he asks, uh, Mike, you're gonna like this one. Yes. Can I use a Time Cube to ask what Nostradamus' favorite sandwich was?
1: Well, I mean considering how vague and unknown a time and unknowable a time cube is, I'm gonna say probably. I'm gonna say
0: no, you can't use time cube for anything.
1: I'm gonna because say you-, you need a time cube license you can't understand time cube to use time cube exactly i mean Makes i'm not
0: sense. say like you know within the context of time cube that you've got four worlds going on at different points and everything but no fuck that you cannot use time cube for <laughs> anything not even an episode of this show uh let's see next we've got one from ghost forge how close is Nostradamus' style of prediction to the cold reading practices that many mediums use? Very. Very close in uh, the style of prediction. Yeah, it's reading mm-hmm. the room. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah.
2: So I have a life pro tip for everyone. Uh-huh. I just took a swig of Gatorade after I took a swig of whiskey. No. Yeah, no, it, Christ, yeah, no. it does not work.
0: No. Jesus H. Christ. Yeah, it does not work. No. Let's see. Thought I'd
2: let everyone know we're here to help.
0: Uh, let's see. Dusty Pages has a question. Uh, how close? No, that's the one I just read. Sorry, getting tired. You Dusty,
1: think Mike changed the outline. Yes, yes. I, I decided to pipe to paste my thing in there just for God posterity. Damn it.
0: Okay, great. Now it can get traced back to us, Dusty. Which verse slash quatrain is the most overused? And I'm handing that question over to you, David, because you've read more of it.
2: Um, I would say the one that I had mentioned in the last episode involving Henry II. The, That's um, true. In the year when France... Uh, so it would have been quatrain 55 of century 3. Uh, in the year when France shall have a one-eyed king, the court shall find itself in a very troubled state. And then uh, on that on that one, that's also quatrain 35 of century one, which is the young lion shall overcome the old on martial field in single combat in a golden cage. His eyes will be put out. Two into one, then die a cruel death. Yeah. I think that's the most common one.
0: Okay. And our last question of the night is from Kick again. Says, Yeah, was Nostradamus some sort of time traveler? Like new things get attributed attributed to him every so often. And we actually cover that in the show. Yeah, just mm-hmm. it's uh
2: coattail riders. Yeah. Yeah, yeah a just... little bit of like uh like if we if we take the the Delphic Oracle version of what he does. It might be a little bit of like astral projection as well through the dreamscape. So,
0: so you're saying people are channeling him?
2: Yeah, it could be that. Yeah,
0: sure. Or, you why, know, why not? Why the or fuck not? Everybody's a fucking grifter.
1: There you go. Yeah, I everybody, said it last time. Everybody loves grifters.
0: Everybody loves a grifter. That's gonna be Bender's uh, new name in the new Futurama. <laughs> there you Instead go. of Bender, it'll be Grifter. So, well, that's it for this week. We made it, guys. We made it all the way through Nostradamus. I'm proud of us.
2: Yeah. I, I think proud. this is going to be a good one for us.
0: Yeah, no, this is definitely a good one. Uh, and that is due... Pretty much entirely to you and your insane researching skills and your writing, David. So, again, thank you so much. Mental fortitude to
2: put up with it.
0: Oh, my God. Yeah. No. I, I
2: appreciate the opportunity.
0: Yes. And I, you did a great job uh, covering a subject that, you know, it gets covered, but, like, not not this much in depth. We They don't talk about the social impact of it that much.
1: Oh, and I yeah. did I did forget to bring up a point we talked about earlier, Kevin. What's that? Simpsons did it. Oh God, yes. So uh, so in talk you know, everyone talks about Nostradamus and all his predictions, but in a work of fiction, the Simpsons has gotten more right than Nostradamus has.
2: Well, wouldn't Nostradamus also be a work of fiction?
1: That's what I'm saying. As far yeah. as oh, okay, comparing okay, okay. works no, of fiction that, like have, that have predicted the future, The Simpsons has a better track record than Nostradamus. Well,
2: honestly, yeah. Like, they, like <laughs> I was watching, um, I, you know, when when Disney Plus came out or Simpsons Plus, as I first called it, because I thought oh, I watched on it. <laughs> right. Um, they they had an early episode about Fox uh, being purchased by Disney, and I'm just like, oh my god,
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah, no. And, uh, like the the gif that's been going around a lot uh today is the uh UN thing where the the Russian ambassador hits a button and it goes from Russia to USSR and talking about mm-hmm. how they we were always were ha, ha, ha.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's it, uh. it's just shocking. So uh that's it for the week. We'll be back next week with the weekend weird followed by... Oh, yes, Weekend Weird is...
3: Ooh.
0: And then after that, I think we're actually going to try to tackle the Pascagoula River abduction. I've got a really unique angle on it. I have an actual through line for my story, and I'm excited about that. So.
2: Now, now is it obtuse or cute?
1: It's a cute angle. It's a. I think. Adorable. I think it's a. It's a. It's a. It's a thirty-seven point five degree angle. Actually,
2: um, is that the latitude of Florida?
1: No. No. Oh. Or the longitude? Well, it's Mississippi, anyway. So. Yeah, yeah. It's, so it's, it's our alien claim to fame here. in I don't know anything outside
2: of the West Coast. I'm yeah. sorry, <laughs> you bastard.
1: No, that's um, Pensacola is Yeah, Florida. you're
0: thinking of Pensacola. Pascagoula. Pascagoula is on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. I, I actually I
2: like Cherry Pensacola.
0: Oh, oh yes. God. Okay, that's that's it. I'm, I like Cherry I'm Pensacola done. Zero. <sighs> My fucking brains, you guys. What the fuck? Guys, uh, thank you for listening. He's Uh, ending the
1: episode just so we'll shut up. You're
0: goddamn right, I am. (laughs) So, we've gotten a lot of new listeners lately, uh, including who's the one that joined us in the Discord? Uh, Uh
2: Ginger something.
0: Ginger, Gingerpocalypse so welcome ginger apocalypse i'm glad you enjoy the show uh and uh, i know we've been getting a lot of new listeners
1: uh lately and uh i do want to i do want to shout out to the uh people that have come into the store you know which store and has said you know they they listen you know who you are
0: and the people that have uh very kindly, talked about the Pascagoula thing with me. One woman, and I meant to bring this up, one woman in particular said, oh, I told my little grandson about that, and he is just obsessed with it, and I'm wearing my new Pascagoula shirt. I need to bring that up. Yeah. I'm wearing, it's got Wait, the shape had, of Mississippi. Had like,
1: what, three people come up oh to you and talk God. to you about it just from the first day you wore that shirt?
0: Yeah, it's got the shape of Mississippi and a silhouette of the
1: Pascagoula River aliens which, on which, it. Which, I'm going to paint a mental picture for you people on Radio Land. It literally looks like Spy versus Spy but with lobster claws.
0: It he's not wrong. Hands. He's not wrong. So um but this woman's talking about, "Oh, my mom used to work down there when that happened. She worked at a shipyard and uh, I told my little grandson about it and he is just obsessed with UFOs and aliens and everything. I think he may be on the spectrum. And I'm <laughs> like, you fucking bitch, I'm wearing the
2: shirt! Well,
1: you yeah. <laughs> know. Thirds of a feather. I'm, Fuck off!
2: That was really fucking funny.
1: Yeah, I bite me. <laughs> so,
2: Oh man, I would have laughed so Kevin, hard. Yeah, yeah, laugh well, I'm really hard, hard right, right now. Well, we're, in,
1: when, we're in the well, south, Kevin. I can only say one thing to you. bless Bless your heart now
0: fuck you (laughs) bless your heart is never followed by anything good or bless Bless their heart
1: heart or follows anything good
0: yeah oh bless his heart he's as dumb as a sack of hammers yeah no it's always something like (laughs) that yeah
1: in in the south bless your heart is the most cutting of southern Mm -hmm. uh, sayings bless his heart
0: god fucked up and here he is Yep. yeah
2: something like that that's fun i'm having a wonderful time
0: i'm glad you are so uh don't forget to check out our website for links to just about everything at supernatpod.rocks hit us up on our social media we're on twitter and facebook though we're more active on twitter at supernatpod uh you can email us just use the contact form on our website it's easier than me repeating the emails.
1: Because you made it d- stupidly
0: long. I really fucking did, dude. And I, and I, I came, apologize. Well I,
1: well, I came up with the name, too, so I share responsibility You for really that. do. And, uh, of course, David,
0: you can be found at HPKOMIC at HP Comic.
2: Yes, indeedy, and you can yes. also listen to my radio show, The Mutant Hours.
0: Yes, check out all the shows on com. We've got uh, this show, the Mutant Hours, my show Bastard Beats, the Clark Wayne show, Toxic, uh, uh, Organic Poison, Key Parties, just everything's on there. Go check it out. And uh, I guess that's it for the week. Mm-mm. So anybody else get any closing words?
1: If I had to do it again, I would name the show the Dumbo Show. The Dumbo Show? I don't know, just something really short.
2: Bless your heart. That's really mean to Kevin.
1: (laughs) Oh god. It's mean to all of us. It is. So, uh,
0: thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. So until then, stay safe and stay frosty. Goodbye.
2: (laughs) Bye-bye. This is where I sleep.
0: I go poo booing. Those two
3: diamonds is bold.